Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Have you ever dreamed of one day owning your own business but just don't know where to begin? Then you've tuned into the right show. On all things franchising, you will hear from top national franchisers, successful franchisees, attorneys, CPAs, and others who support this fast-growing business model. So grab a cup of coffee and pen and notepad because you will want to capture the invaluable information you hear on today's show. And now, here is your host, Linda Ballesteros. Hey folks, welcome to All Things Franchising. This is Linda Ballesteros and I'm your host today. I always appreciate when someone carves some time out of their busy day to spend with me. So if you've listened to my show uh, long enough, you know that I love the franchise business model. And one of the reasons I love it is because it is absolutely the best way for someone who wants to own, to own their own business to step into a, a model that has all of the components that you need figured out in place. All you have to do is plug into it. Now, I'm not saying that you don't have to do any work. I'm, I'm just saying that you don't have to figure out what it takes to be in business. So I recently read an article about um, the franchise business model and how quickly it's growing. The article went something like this. The number of franchised businesses in the U.S. is expected to grow by 1.5% this year to a total of 785,316 establishments. It went on to say, franchise businesses' economic output is expected to grow faster than the economy as a whole. And I think that says a lot about the model itself. People are plugging into that model because it's highly successful. My guest today is John Francis. He is also known as Johnny Franchise. John has a lifetime of experience in franchising. His exposure to franchising began when he was a child in his family's hair salon system, which was over 1,000 units. Today, he shares his perspective and expertise as a consultant, advisor, and keynote speaker to help franchise systems see what they don't see and achieve their highest levels of success. Please help me in welcoming John to the show. Hey, John, welcome to the show. Hi, Linda. Thank you. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. I am glad you're here as well. So, you know, John, I clearly you love the franchise business model as yes, well. I, do. I just think it is a great <laughs> way for somebody to um to to start their own business without figuring out what are all those spinning plates that I need to have going on here. So before we jump into that, John, 
tell me a little mm-hmm. bit about your history. Well, I'm a I'm a lucky kid, I guess. I'm the youngest of five kids in my my family of origin, I guess. My mom and dad were were founders of a brand. My my dad was a barber here in Minnesota in the 1950s. And uh long story short, he he franchised barber shops back in the 60s before I was even born. Uh and then by the time I was around, uh you know, I thought everybody owned a franchise. I thought everything was a franchise. I thought everybody worked for themselves except the people that worked for us. And so I grew up in a family business that was a franchisor of hair salons. And my dad was a, a fantastic entrepreneur, wild entrepreneur. He, My dad and, and mother, my father and mother are actually in the IFA Hall of Fame together, wow. as husband and wife, because he started it and grew it. And then uh, my father passed away and my mother took over and doubled the size of the company and then had a tremendously successful exit. Uh, and uh, the whole thing was, uh, you know, uh, quite an experience. So the business is older than me. We sold it in 1999, I guess, 20 years ago or whatever. And I, I, so I've been out of it a lot longer than a lot of people have been in it. Um, 20 years ago, we sold just over a thousand stores, franchisor um, with uh, no debt, no litigation, and just tremendous record of success. And uh, I learned it. I learned a lot. I was a franchisor. I was a franchisee. I had done some international work. I had done some acquisitions. Did some strategic planning. Got to do a lot of different things in that company, our family's business, and then. After, you know, things cooled off after the transaction and I, I went with the deal for nine months and worked through the transition and then I took some time off and I went on to do five more franchise deals of my own over the last, uh, I guess, 17 years. Um, I sold my last operating business in 2011 and um, I uh, stopped doing what I would call paycheck work in uh, 2013 and have been uh, independent you know, advisor, coach, consultant, speaker for the last, I guess, seven or eight years. And um, I just love what I do. So I'm I'm lucky mm-hmm. that I get to do what I want and what I love to do. And, and I just love help helping people get their franchising business done right. Um, yeah. when, when franchising is done well, when the franchisor does their part, the franchisee does their part, and then the suppliers and, and vendors do their part. When all three of those groups do their what they're supposed to do (laughs) in sort of the way the format the structure you know there's right ways and wrong ways to do anything and it's not always black and white but when those three sides get their act together and do it well everybody wins and it's a tremendously powerful point of leverage i've seen tremendous success and, and i've seen failure too um and i just love helping people get it right you know wherever they are or whatever they're doing if I think I can help, I, I try to help. And if I can't help or, you know, it's not a good fit, then, then I move I move on, you know. But uh, mm-hmm. I really do love franchising. I've seen it work, and uh, I've lived you know, it. And, you know, John, you do have a wealth of experience on both sides there. So let's talk mm-hmm. a little bit about the services that you offer. Let's start with the franchisor. When, you, when a franchisor comes to you or when you go to a franchisor, and what is 
what is the main problem? What is the most common problem that you see that they struggle with, um, whether they are emerging brand or whether they've been around for a while? Do you see yeah. something that, that really stands out? Well, I tell you, Linda, you know, things change over time, and a brand goes through different levels of evolution. I mean, clearly, things are different when you've got 10 units or 50 or 200 or 2,000. I mean, it's, you know, things change. Um, but if I had to boil it down to kind of one common problem that is most most obvious, and they don't see it, that's the thing, is they, they lose sight of what they're – and the point is they lose sight about the business they're in. They forget the business they're in. The franchisor forgets that they're in a franchise business. And what that means yeah. is they have a tremendous obligation to the franchisees first. And so when I see franchisors that are struggling or something's not right and, uh, you know, they're stuck or they, they grew too fast or they grew too slow or, or, or something is not not working and they're they're frustrated, you know, it takes me a little while to get through kind of an assessment process, but usually it, I can boil it, boil it down to, you know, you forgot about your franchisees or maybe not, not in an obvious way, but in an indirect way. And when they lose sight of that franchisee and how important their success really is, bad things happen. So mm -hmm. if I had to identify it, that would be the one common problem is they forget about the franchisees. Mm -hmm. And not only does the franchisee suffer, but John, I would think the brand would suffer as well. Oh yeah, yeah, clearly. When a when a brand loses momentum for whatever reason, right? I mean, whether it's internal or external, or competition, or economy, or market, or like this lousy pandemic has really wreaked mm -hmm. havoc on a lot of businesses. Obviously, mm -hmm. everyone's been impacted. But when a mm -hmm. brand loses momentum, you know that's that's an opportunity, right, to get get behind that and figure out what's what can we do to to improve the situation. Sometimes there's nothing yeah. you can do. I mean, if you're forced to shut down and close, I had one of my clients closed all their stores in two weeks. They went from full blast, full <laughs> you know, full full throttle, I'll say, uh, to screeching halt in two weeks. Wow. And uh, you know, that's hard to overcome, right? I mean, that's and it's regulation, you know, you're not allowed to open. So what are you going to do? Right. I mean, there's things you can do, but not much. And you just got to get ready and weather the storm. So they're back now. I mean, thankfully, things have, you know, kind of gotten a little better in the sense that they're able to open, even if it's limited basis. But, you know, it's it's tough. When, when a brand loses momentum, you know, that's an early warning sign if you've noticed it soon enough to say, oh, boy, mm -hmm. we got something to deal with. Let's deal with it now. Mm -hmm. I, I'm a big fan of of after you're done being reactive right when i come in and do my thing and it's like okay you got a problem here you got a problem there you got another issue here and then this one is coming next so we might deal with the immediate issues obviously you're going to you're going to try to correct the course right away but then i like to get more proactive and deal with what's coming next not just what we got on our face today right in front of your face you know deal with this today is a big burning raging problem you got to deal with it now but as soon as possible, I like to identify what's coming and how do we get ahead of those, the next chapter of growth and development. So we're driving instead of reacting. You know, I'd rather be mm -hmm. proactive than reactive. And 
it's mm-hmm. hard to be proactive when you're not even being reactive. You know, yeah. Right. Uh, right. It's a, just right. A, it's business. It's life. It's people. It's you know, it's never easy. Nothing's easy. But uh, I just love the franchising. Right. The, the nature of franchising is all about collaboration. And once mm-hmm. you can kind of create that alignment and understanding that we really do have to work together, it just unleashes a powerful force of collaboration, and um, mm-hmm. people want to get things right you know, because they see the, the benefits. So, John, when when you come in and you see that there is a bit of an issue, uh, maybe a, a breakdown somehow between the franchisor and the franchisee, how do you start building that? How do you help the franchisor create that environment that, um, that to the franchisee, I want you to succeed? What what are some of the things you you like to see in place to for that to happen? Well, uh, the first thing is that uh, what I would say is a reality check. You know, a lot of times I come along and, and I, I get inside of the franchisor and then I I do an assessment, I do my thing, and and I I come back to them and say, well, here's here's where I think you're at, and it's usually less than they think they're at <laughs> because. Mm-hmm. You know, they've only done it once. They've only done it for themselves, and they've done their brand. And that's probably all they know. Sometimes they've been around. Maybe they've worked with another brand or two. But then I come along, and I can put it in context, having worked with – I bet I've worked with 50 brands over the last 30 years. I mean, a lot of companies, big ones, little ones, you know, all over the place. So I put it in context. And so the first part is getting that franchisor to get real with today's situation, not what they think it is, not what they want it to be, not what they, uh, you know, and not, not, not talking about blame, right? Get past Mm -hmm. all of that. You have to get, get over all that drama and emotion and just get real. Once I can get them to accept reality for what it is. And, uh, I don't, like I said, I don't really care who's at fault or how you got here, but once we define and agree on where you are, and then where you think you want to go as a franchisor, then we bring in the franchisees and make sure that they have a good sense of reality and and that they're not underestimating or overestimating their own situation as a brand, as a network, right? The franchisees have to get real and understand where they are and what's possible. And again, I don't care how you got here, who's to blame, what went wrong, whatever, you know, none of that matters anymore. So I come in with what I call a blast of reality, and I give them uh, in really no-nonsense terms, like this is where I think you're at. This is where I think your problems are. I can usually get to the bottom of it pretty quick, and then I can start laying the groundwork to build from there. So let's fix whatever it is we have and uh, work with what we have and then decide what we are capable of, what kind of resources do we have, time and money and people, and uh, what kind of uh, environment are we working with in terms of culture in that brand? You know, do people trust each other? Because once trust is broken, right. usually that's a fundamental issue. You know, you really got to work hard to, to rebuild trust. And there's ways of doing that. And um, there's things you can do to make that go a little faster. And there's certainly things you can do to screw that up. Um, mm-hmm. It's unfortunately easy to, to make those kind of mistakes. But the impact mm-hmm. it it takes you know years to build trust and minutes to lose trust and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so a lot of trust and then there are some structural improvements you can put in things like an advisory council I'm a big fan of 
franchise advisory councils. Uh, that's what I would consider a best practice, the first thing for a franchisor to do if they really want to get things right. Uh, once they've reached a reasonable size, you know, and then other things like peer groups for franchisees, those those have some great value if you do them properly and you manage them well. You know, there's all kinds of things you can do in a franchise that really takes advantage of that structural opportunity, that collaborative approach. Um, Mm-hmm. And like I said, I, I come along from a wide range of experience and say, you know, I don't know, I, I can I can get into their situation and then I can start predicting their future. And this is where it gets really fun is, is I can talk to them and sometimes I do this from the stage at their annual conference as a speaker and, and tell the whole system, the, the franchisor, the franchisees and, and even suppliers if they're in the room. I'll say, look, here's my assessment of where you are, and I don't really care how you got here, but I'm going to tell you what the future is. And and then I start predicting their future of if you do this, then this will happen. If you don't do this, then that will happen. And you, if you do this, then you have this, then that, then maybe this or that. You know, I, I start laying out the, the variables and the options in a sort of a natural sort of sequential like, here's what's going to happen next year, and if you don't take care of this problem, then you're going to have that problem, and then that's going to cause this next thing, and then five years from now, you'll be over here. And I can mm-hmm. I can do it with pretty good certainty, and um, the funny thing is I hear from my clients, like, later, like, you were right. You know, how did you know? And how did you – and you, it's like, well, because I've seen this movie so many times. I can Mm -hmm. tell you how it's going to go, or I can tell you how to change the end of the story. If you want to improve the results, these are the kind of things you need to focus on today so that five years from now, you've got this kind of a situation. Mm -hmm. So it's it's an application of my experience and, and their reality, and then really seeing what they're willing to do to change their outcomes. So, John, you know, um, being able to identify areas that they need to make some changes in, uh, when you identify those areas and they're on board in making changes, do you help them lay out a game plan because they may not even know what they need to do to change that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yes, I do. The answer is yes, uh, if I'm engaged at that level. Um, you know, it's it's fun to come in and kind of stir things up and, and give them some mm-hmm. ideas and, and paint the picture of what could be. And that's fun and that's effective. You know, just giving them an mm-hmm. awareness is valuable, right? That's that's relatively straightforward right. and, and I think I think there's good value there. But then being engaged as an advisor or a coach or a consultant or whatever it might be, that's where I can I can start to help them work on their plans. And I guess my approach is, you know, I don't want to work there. I don't want a job. I don't want an office. I don't want a paycheck, right? I don't right. I don't want to be part of their team in the sense of I'm doing the work. I want to be an advisor, a coach, a consultant. I want to help them do their work better. So I can help give them framework. I can give them structural advice. Uh, there are a number of different systems I'm very familiar with, uh, different structural management uh information, you know, structural things they can do with their people, with their in, with their data, accountability. I'm a big fan of accountability and uh, 
to me, that's kind of the secret weapon of real high-performing organizations is they have structured accountability and um, people hold each other accountable. And uh, mm -hmm. that takes time to develop and implement those kind of systems. But once they're in place and they're really validated, uh, that's when things really start to move and uh, in a positive mm -hmm. way. And that mm -hmm. takes time. And so I can kind yeah. of push that along and make that happen. And, and usually I get behind the owner or the, the CEO or the president or whoever's in leading the organization. And I, I help them do that. I don't do it for them. I help them do it better for themselves. Right. Because right. then if I leave or something changes and I'm not around anymore, they have did it and they can keep doing it. Uh, right. I, I try to make myself obsolete, <laughs> you know, in the sense of, because uh, then I want to do more higher level strategy thinking and um, mm -hmm. I want to help them move mm -hmm. on to bigger, better, more uh, valuable opportunities beyond. Once you have that structural systematic approach, then you can really do more. And I, I want to move beyond that, what I call simple stuff and get to the more interesting stuff. You know, John, as a coach myself, I never want to create um, – clients who become baby birds uh right. i i want them i want i don't want them to depend on me to um to feed them everything but like you said to get them started so that they can take it from there to me that's the biggest reward is to do that yeah you you i think there's there's a, it's very rewarding when people recognize a new level of success for themselves that and I've yeah. seen it and I've helped create it right that's 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 what gives me uh the the biggest reward is seeing my clients achieve success beyond what they expected for themselves right 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 and when that right. happens it's like wow you know they and they yeah you can see it and they live it you know you can see it in the the cars they drive, the houses they buy, the vacations they take, you know, mm -hmm. the the way they live their life. I mean, there are clues, uh, right? They say success leaves clues, right? And and some of those are more obvious than others. But, uh, you know, the way they live, the way they give, the way, their attitude, uh, you know, things change from from one person to the next. And over time, you know, you, you, I know that I've had an influence on a number of different people and uh, their businesses mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. that's what's the most rewarding for me is to see those outcomes and then help it continue right and they get to even new levels of success and even bigger what I would say multi-dimensional success where they're successful in ways that they never imagined and mm -hmm. that's really then seeing their people grow not just the business and the economics that's relatively straightforward but watching individuals and the impact it has on their families and the people around them. So it's a personal human impact, which is, I think, profound, you know, to have yeah, that kind much, of Much more impact. lasting to have that, uh, that type of impact than just focusing on whatever the widget is. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. It's, you know, I, and I've seen it in franchising it, and maybe I'm limited or, or um, biased because I've, I've done more franchising than everything. I've done a lot of other things in real estate and, you know, other types of businesses I've been involved with. And, you know, I've been in, around in a lot of different things. But to me, franchising is, is got, because it's got that point of leverage where you've got that inherent collaboration 
built in. Yeah. Once you kind of understand that and create that alignment, uh, mm-hmm. it's a powerful point of leverage. So I, I'm a big I'm a big believer that franchising done well, there, there's nothing more powerful to create that kind of success for everybody involved. And, yeah, uh, most definitely. You know, I just, um, it's all I want to do is more of that. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. John, I need to take a quick commercial break, but I have a feeling that you could have some stories in your back pocket that you could share with us when we come back from commercial sure. break. Do you have anything you could share? Well, yeah, it's a matter of narrowing it down, I think. But, yes, of course, <laughs> I love telling stories. You bet. Very good. Well, folks, we're going to take a real quick commercial break. We'll be back with more from John Francis. House Talk Radio. Join Tony and Wendy Gambone on House Talk Radio, where they talk all things house. From tips on home repairs and remodeling to best practices on buying and selling a home, hiring contractors, home loans, and insurance, as well as decorating ideas and how to get the most bang for your buck. If you would like more information about House Talk Radio, go to housetalkradio.com. Tune in every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. to Tough Talk Christian Radio with Tony Gambone. Tough Talk Christian Radio is for those who want to share and receive expressions of faith that will help you take the next step in your relationship with Christ. Listen in to hear from others about their experiences of faith and the love of Christ. Call in to share your experiences at 347-989-1363. Learn more by going to toughtalkchristianradio.com. Are you dreaming of owning your own business but just don't know where to begin? The wait is now over. Linda Ballesteros is a catalyst to becoming a business owner through franchising. Whether you are looking to create a living that will allow you to leave corporate America, change your lifestyle, allowing you to enjoy the fun things in life, or if you're looking to build a legacy that will support your family for years to come. Contact Linda today to start the process of being your own boss. Linda at EmpowerFranchiseConsulting.com, 832-640-4922. Welcome back to All Things Franchising. Um, this is Linda Ballesteros. I'm here today with John Francis. He's known as Johnny Franchise. So when we broke for commercial break, uh, John, uh, you said that you happen to have this, some stories that you could share with us. Before you share those sure. stories, if someone's listening and they'd like to know more about John Francis and what he might be able to uh, offer them as a franchisor or franchisee, how would they find out more about you? Well, thank you, Linda. My my nickname, I, I was given a nickname by a friend of mine, Johnny Franchise, which is kind of funny, but um, that's my website. So I, I embraced uh-huh. that nickname a, few, a couple of years ago. So johnnyfranchise.com is my website. I'll, I'll toss out my phone number. I don't mind. I take calls from everybody all day long. So uh, my direct phone it'll to my cell phone is 612-868-0745. And um, I'm John Francis. I'm on all the social medias. Johnny Franchise is kind of my brand, I guess, my handle on a lot of places. But um, I'm not hard to find. And uh, I love yeah. talking to folks. I don't mind answering questions, have a brief call, see if there's some match there. And if I can help you, we'll try to figure that out. If I can't help you, I will definitely point you in the right direction. Wonderful. Very good. So let's hear some of those stories. I can't wait. Well, I've 
I've got a story that I think is a pretty typical client story, um, but I don't think I should mention the brand to protect the protect the innocent sure. or the guilty in whatever case it is. But uh, I'm thinking of a client of mine who I've had now for a few years, but this is a pretty typical situation. So he, uh, it's a guy, and he met me at a conference. He heard me speak. I was on a panel talking about whatever it was, something you know, franchise related, and and he came up to me afterwards and he says, you know, I think you could help me. And I said, great, you know, let's see, what do you got? What's going on? And so he sat down and in about half an hour, he told me his situation. And then I asked a bunch of questions, you know, and, another, and within an hour, I had a pretty quick assessment of his his entire situation. And, and what had happened is his brand was about, I want to say it was about 10 years old and he had maybe 100 units in his franchise. And, um, but it really wasn't, it really wasn't, uh, let's just say healthy. There were a lot of things going wrong with it. And he was having what I would call a mutiny. His leadership yeah. team had been kind of left alone. Uh, this founder had moved away because of health reasons. His wife actually had some health issues. And so they moved to a different state. And he had left a president in charge and he had left, you know, some great people in charge. And he had a nice business. I mean, there wasn't anything really wrong with the business, but it wasn't, it really wasn't thriving. And he was kind of too far away. And he, I guess he'd kind of let his hands off the deal. And, um, and now it was starting to unwind. And he was, you know, these, some of these folks, not all of them, but some of these people were working against him and kind of dismantling his business to set up their own business and uh and become a competitor which is like you know how can you let that happen and so it took us a little while to get the assessment and i said well give me some ideas of you know what kind of relationship you have with these people and and so what i did is it was an intensive coaching period i guess for three days i worked with this guy I want to say it was like two hours, two, two hour sessions a day. So like one, two hours in the morning and two hours in the afternoon for three days. So it was a lot of time right up front. But what I had to do is help him fix what he, with the disaster that was exploding right in front of his face. I mean, it was really just happening that fast. And so mm. I coached him through it, what to say, what not to say, how to say it what to say first, what to say next, kind of a sequence. You know, it was like a cast of characters. It was kind of like writing a movie, you know, like here's the, here's the circumstance, here are the, the, this cast, and here's the outcome we're trying to get to. So he got into it, and he did a great job and uh, managed to stop the insanity and uh, made some tough decisions but got things back on track. And uh, what we basically did is rebuilt his his infrastructure for his franchisor. And and I said, you know, when I found you, your business was about 10 years old, but to me it looked like about five years old, right? It just mm. didn't feel like a 10-year-old brand. You'd, you'd maybe had five years of success, and then the last year you did that same last year five times over because it really didn't look or feel like, like the age appropriate, you know what I mean? And then we we worked on it, worked on it, and he, you know, we rebuilt this infrastructure and hired a bunch of people and, and uh, started with a new, and we put in an advisory council. I got a hold of his key influential franchisee, started working with them, 
and uh you know it it didn't it wasn't in the beginning it was kind of uh exciting i guess and and uh tense but after the first couple of months we put down the the insurrection and and, un, and stopped all that and then started adding structure and and accountability right from the beginning and it really worked so over the next couple of years uh this guy you know put the wheels on this thing and and uh, really got it to go and now that business has just exploded. Um, they've had some, they've brought in some great talented people. They've had some tremendous success. Uh, I've been to their conference now three or four times, maybe. I think I've been working with them for about five years. And now it's starting to look its age. You know, I mean, it, appropriately, the business feels and is growing like it's supposed to. You know, we've closed the gap, if you will, on the, the time mm -hmm. that was spent versus the results achieved. And now he's getting to the point where he really wants to be where he can have an organization that can run the business day to day without his involvement. He wants to take a step back, you know, and uh, mm -hmm. and good for him. You know, now mm -hmm. I think he did that last time a little prematurely, right? He he wasn't prepared and they weren't prepared and, and the people he left in charge, you know, kind of uh, backfired. And so we we dealt with all that and now we've added the structure and the accountability and the scale that allows him now to do it properly so mm -hmm. I think he'll have a much more likelihood of getting to where he wants to be as the founder and CEO and have the kind of lifestyle and, and uh, engagement level that he wants but we've got an organization now with a full team of professionals who can really do the work and grow this business mm -hmm. And there's no way yeah. that uh, what happened last time uh, will not happen again. So yeah, that's you a, know, John. You one know, of the that things was a lot that, of fun. <laughs> yeah, one of the things that I see, and what you're talking about is um, leadership. I mean, that is such so critical, and have the yeah. right people in the right positions. And I'll tell you what. Yeah. I believe that this pandemic, for those of you that are listening to this recording, it's November the 16th of 2020. So the pandemic is still, uh, still a part of our lives. And what I see, John, is that those franchises that have had strong leadership during this period, has, they've done, I won't say that they've gone un, untouched because, as you said earlier, Every industry almost has been affected by this in some way, but they, they've been able to quickly support their franchisees, and that's what the franchisees want. You know, oh, they, they want, you know yeah. if, if you're a restaurant franchisee, you know your franchisor cannot make the, the um, ordinances change so that you can open your doors, but just knowing they're there. Maybe they're helping to negotiate um, with the landlord. Maybe they're uh, helping in reducing by reducing some of the royalties. So is, do you think going forward that this is going to be a critical topic that prospective franchisees should be uh, questioning any oh, brand that they look at? Certainly. Yeah, by all means, I, I think it's it's not only appropriate, but I think it's it's uh, valuable to um, you know ask the company, you know, what did it look like before the pandemic? Right. <laughs> what did you do during the pandemic? And you know, obviously, mm -hmm. how is it now today? I mean, how did you respond mm -hmm. to that? 
because uh, I saw a lot. I mean, there was some total chaos back in March and April when things were starting. Mm -hmm. People were realizing just how bad it was, you know, what was going to happen. And then the leaders, like you said, the true leaders came through, and the, a lot of a lot of great brands did a lot of great things. And and I honestly yeah. feel like franchising in general did did really well. Uh, there were a lot of great resources from the IFA, by the way. The I was very impressed with what they did and stepped up and provided to their members, but really to the public. I mean, it was it was open source uh, webinars and information and just a tremendous amount of of uh, good stuff that was very helpful. And uh, so I think mm -hmm. franchising in general fared better than independent operators during this COVID. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the independent uh, restaurants and retailers and service providers, you know, because they didn't have the support, the training, the teamwork where a franchisor has all of that and then some, you know, uh, mm -hmm. even though, like you say, regulations are regulations, they apply to everybody yep. the same. But the reaction of that reality is uh, what was different, I think, for some of these franchisors who really did respond well and um, mitigated the damage or the impact. You know, I mean, I've seen of my clients, I've seen quite a range of, of impact, right? Everyone's been impacted, uh, some more than others, but nobody is going to go away like they're done, bankrupt, like it's over. None, none of my franchisor clients are going to see that they're, they're you know there's a couple that are really in trouble but they're going to make it and they're going to survive and they're going to they're going to build their way back because they're good people and they got a good concept and you know it's still it's still all good but um i think a lot of independent businesses will not come back and right. i feel sorry for those owners for those founders and those employees in particular that through no fault of their own you know, they're thrown out to figure out what's next. And and I think the good news is, you know, this is America, right? We will come back. We always come back. Don't don't ever count down on America, right? And uh, mm -hmm. our economy and our people and our culture, our survivors, you know, we're going to make this. But a lot of people are going through a lot of real pain. And I mean, not just the physical medical issues, but, you know, economic and mental health. And, you know, it's, it's put a tremendous amount of stress on so many people. So... Mm -hmm. I think franchising has fared better because people have that group and the network and the, the organizations around them to lean on and to work together and to realize that they're going to be okay. And that where the independent operators just don't have that kind of uh, environment, it's just, they're dealing with it in a different way because of, you know, what they, what they don't have. And, and I just think that's yeah. tragic, but um, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. life, I guess. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and it is tough times. But I always also want to say, John, that there were some franchise, um, some industries out there that really thrived during this time. Um, oh yeah. But but to have um, to have an influx or a tsunami of growth. In, on an infrastructure that you may not be ready for, that could be just as devastating, can it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you're unprepared for growth and it comes yeah. anyway, um, yeah, you have to manage those things and um, and then not be fooled, I guess, because nothing lasts, right? Things change. Yeah. 
Yeah. I've seen brands that yeah. go through these growth spurts. It, it's kind of like, I don't know, maybe it's not a good analogy, but it's kind of like teenagers. I've got two teenage kids, so I watch my teenagers. You know, they'll grow. I swear they'll grow like two inches in a week, you know, like a big growth spurt. And then they'll right. then they'll stop a little while, and then you know, and then you kind of get used to that, and then they grow again, another growth spurt. It's like that sometimes in franchises where you might grow by, you know, I don't know, twenty, thirty percent in a couple of years. You add a bunch of new stores, new units, new things, and then you know, then it slows down again, and then you're like, well, geez, this isn't as much fun. Well, that's okay. You know, you have to you have uh-huh. to know that those. That growth is rarely in a very linear mode. I mean, it has its ups and downs, and there's reasons for it, right? That things mm-hmm. go fast and slow down and fa- speed up. And, you know, you, sometimes you can impact, and other times you have to just watch for it. But knowing that there are going to be variables and variations on that growth curve, and then really how to spot them and how to respond to them. And again, how to get mm-hmm. proactive about it and not just reactive. Um, that's right. kind of the key. Right. Well, John, we're down to the end of the show here, and I've got those final three questions. And the first one oh, is, okay. if there is someone listening who's considering purchasing a franchise, what would you suggest they do to prepare for the process? If you're going to buy a franchise, which I think is generally a wonderful thing to do as an entrepreneur, is buy a business that's a franchise system. Number one thing is take your time. Do more research. And a kind of a warning is be prepared to be overwhelmed with information. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I talk to a lot of people, you know, people call me all the time. And, and uh, I said, well, how many brands have you looked at? How many phone calls have you had? How many visits have you made? You know, whatever. My advice, generally speaking, is know everything about that business, that brand, that system. Look at their competitors, too. Because you Mm -hmm. may fall in love with a particular category, a company, but then look around and see who they compete with. Number one, the competitors might be better, better fit, might be better deal, better geography, better opportunity. For whatever reason, you should know the competitors. And then if you still like the original brand better, even more so, then you're you're better prepared to go for that training and and know how to compete with those other brands because you looked at them. So take your time. That's my number one yeah. advice is take the time. I think people move too fast. Uh, and uh, really, the more time, the better, uh, even though I know that's kind of counterintuitive to the development cycle. But uh, I'd rather have quality franchisees who really know what they're doing and have good expectations because they took the time. That's, oh, that's definitely. my advice. Yeah, definitely. And I think we may have touched a little bit on this next question. Um, what are two traits that make a successful franchisee? Yeah, this is real easy for me. Number one, uh, follow the model and the concept. Mm-hmm. Implement, do not experiment, especially in the beginning. When you're new and you're getting that unit up and off the ground and you're starting everything, take all the training you can get, and your job is to just follow that model completely, the whole concept, not just pieces and parts that you think you're going to like, but do everything as you're trained. And if you're not sure, ask for a lot of help. So number one is follow the model. Number two, be a hard worker, work really hard and don't wait for things to happen. Because if you're waiting for the customers to come because you bought a franchise and the customers are going to beat a path to your door, 
very unlikely. You have to work hard. You have to hustle and work and work and work. And that startup phase is never easy. And uh, follow the model, ask for help, and work really, really hard. And um, mm-hmm. don't wait. If things aren't happening, pick up the phone and call. Call your headquarters. Mm-hmm. Call other franchisees. Call somebody. Call me. Call somebody and mm-hmm. and get the advice and then follow the advice, right? Even if you don't like it, um, you know, franchising is, is uh, not a guarantee, right? You still got to do all the work. So that would mm-hmm. be my advice. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Great advice there. And the last one is, what does the future of franchising look like? Well, I think it's pretty good. I think it's bigger and better, more brands, more units, more professionals, more technology. I I like to say franchising is economic Darwinism. And Mm. by that, I mean, it's not just the big and the fast that survive. It's the ones that adapt and change because mm. everything changes. We know that. That's inevitable. Things are going to change. So if your brand, if your organization, if your people are willing and able to recognize and adapt to the marketplace, whether it's regulations like COVID or, or you know, pandemics are, you know, very unusual mm-hmm. – or just the nature of growth and things grow. So your brand needs different things at different phases of, of growth. So I think franchising is, is solid and strong and, and getting better all the time because generally speaking, the good ones continue to grow and the bad ones don't. And mm-hmm. that's, I, I don't know if this is a legitimate comparison, but I call it economic Darwinism. I love and, that. Uh, I love that. I, I think it fits. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah, most definitely. John, one more time, if someone's listening and they'd like to know more about you and um, how you might be able to help either their brand, their franchise as a franchisor, or as a franchisee, how would they find out mm-hmm. more about you? Well, uh, on my website, johnnyfranchise.com. Uh, my name is John Francis, but my nickname is Johnny Franchise. And I offer uh, speaking, advisory work. Uh, I do board work, coaching, virtual conferences. I just did one, uh, another one recently last week. We had a lot of fun with it, virtual uh, thing with a, a nice brand. That, that We had a lot of fun. I'm surprised how much fun you can have on a virtual conference. But uh, mm. Uh, I have some videos, some training programs, you know, all kinds of stuff. And and I guess, like I said, I work alone. Uh, I like to help where I can, and otherwise I kind of get out of the way. So I'm happy to talk and share ideas and, and see if I can be a valuable resource to, to anyone in your audience, anything around franchising. That's usually when I show up. Very good. Thanks again, John, for being on the show today. I really enjoyed it, and I know that the, that the listeners learned a lot. Well, thank you, Linda, for the opportunity. I, I, I could do this all day long. I, I really do, and uh, yeah, I really I could enjoy listen it. To so you all day. I, I could listen to you all day, and I could learn a lot from you, I'm sure. So maybe well, we'll have you back on the show in 2021. Wonderful. I appreciate that. Thank you. Absolutely. So, folks, you know, one of the things that John talked about was that franchising is about the team. It's about putting together that 
um, that environment where everyone supports each other. And it's interesting because that's exactly what my quote is about today. You know, I always leave, leave you with a quote. This is a quote by Steve Jobs. It goes like this. Incredible things in the business world are never made by a single person, but by a team. It's exactly what John has been talking about today. So thank you so much, folks, for joining me on All Things Franchising, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Another great episode of All Things Franchising is now in the books. You can listen to past shows by following All Things Franchising on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for joining us today. And be sure not to miss us next time when we bring you a brand new episode of All Things Franchising. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.